I don't know how I got the privilege of reading the Bible this morning too, so there you go. Um, the sermon reading this morning is taken from June. Only one chapter, so it's one chapter of this. Verse 17 onwards. But, dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal God. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. It's one of those books where we don't spend a lot of time uh, in it. I mean, partly, even if you try it, it'll be very brief. But uh, I chose this passage uh, for two reasons. One, I think it captures some of the source of our doubt, but also there's a real compassion towards those who do doubt. And so I thought that would be encouraging for us as we reflect on this series, you know, reframing our emotions. So let me pray as we get into this passage. Dear Lord, as we come to your word now, and as we talk about doubt, I pray that you might help each of us to see you clearly, to deal with our doubts, and to trust you more. Amen. Doubt is one of those emotions that robs us of our confidence, and if we don't know where we're standing, then it's very hard to stand with any sense of conviction. And of course, that leaves us to be blown around by all the other opinions that are around us. Uh, it undermines our relationships, it undermines our work, uh, but more significantly, far more seriously, it potentially undermines our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. And if we're not sure if there is a God who is there or if there is a God who cares or a God who we should honour, then the temptation is uh, to then start to listen to the world and to get swept away by the influences of the world. And of course, if we don't then resolve those doubts, all of those doubts start to harden. Uh, we, we no longer get sort of stuck in the muck and the mire, and we start to get stuck in the concrete of our doubts. Uh, so as we get into this topic, I want to start by acknowledging some of the big sources of our doubt. What are, what are some of those things that influence us? And I think uh, the first one is uh, we doubt the facts. And perhaps out of the, those doubts, perhaps two big ones, uh, we doubt that God is the creator of everything, uh, or we doubt the resurrection. Uh, we doubt that Jesus really did rise again from the dead. And for some, uh, when it comes to you know, uh, whether we doubt creation versus, say, you know, there was an almighty kaboom, 
uh, both of those opinions actually are faith statements. Uh, one uh, trusts that, that God is the one who is behind it all. But even if you believe that there's a naturalistic course to the universe, there's still huge unanswered questions about, you know, where did all this matter and energy come from? Where did time come from? Where did gravity come from? And so it doesn't matter where you stand. It's not like Christians have faith and everyone else has a rational view of the world. We all have to have faith in something. And when it comes to the resurrection then we do have to have faith, but it's not a blind faith. We have faith in the events of history, uh, that this actually happened, that there's a record that we can turn to. I think the second one is that we can doubt our feelings. And I think this is particularly powerful at the moment because we're told that truth is defined by what we feel. And so if I'm not feeling God is present, then I jump to one of two conclusions. Either God isn't there or God doesn't love me. But either which way, it leads me to the same point, that I am all alone. And I think that lack of feeling can sometimes even be exacerbated by what we read in the Bible. Uh, so, for example, we might read Romans 8. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit, that we are God's children. Uh, or perhaps Psalm 108, My heart, O God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all my soul. You know, they are wonderful words. They're words that should inspire and encourage, but often they don't necessarily reflect how we feel in the moment. And so we think, well, if I don't feel like that, well, then maybe something is wrong. And so we doubt. I think sometimes even the way we approach our Bible reading can be a primarily emotional experience. You know, we feel that the act of just sitting down and reading our Bible should sort of, you know, evoke this big emotional response. It should sort of kind of be like, you know, when you're sitting there and you feel that first warmth of the sun on you in the morning. We kind of think, that, that's what I should experience each time I read the Bible. And so again, if we don't have that type of experience, then we feel well, there's some, something must be missing. Uh, so we're actually not reading the Bible for what it has to say to us, we're reading it for the experience that we're looking for. So perhaps it's facts, perhaps it's feelings, uh, but sometimes we doubt because our experience doesn't align with our expectation. So on a more sort of self-oriented level, if we expect that God is going to guarantee our health and our happiness and our wealth, then it can be incredibly confronting when we suffer or when that's not our experience. And particularly when that suffering is ongoing. Because we can all kind of see how a little bit of suffering can be good, that can be you know, quite character building. But our expectation is that it's going to be sort of brief and perhaps a little bit dramatic, you know, sort of a Disney type of suffering, you know, a real life lesson moment. But at the end, it's all going to resolve and we'll be you know, better people for it. But of course, if that's not our experience and there is no resolution, at least in this lifetime, then it can leave us doubting. Is God there? Is God good? Does he love me? On a less selfish level, sometimes our doubt in our experience can come from 
those prayers which we genuinely feel are God-honouring prayers. Okay, they're not the prayers you're asking for a Porsche prayer. Uh, it's the prayer for someone you love that they might come to Christ. And when God doesn't answer that prayer in the way that we hope and expect, then we start to ask questions. Well, what's God doing in this situation? And then I think lastly, you know, sometimes we doubt simply because of the opinions of those around us. You know, the scoffing of our culture. And so they assert that there is no God, there is no bigger story as to why we exist. And they will show us why the wisdom of the world is greater than the wisdom of God. And they're often intelligent and articulate, and they shape their message in such a way that it feels like they can't be wrong, and if you think anything different, then you must be naive and ignorant. And the more people say it, uh, and the more confidently they say it, the more we start to believe that it is true. So if you came to church this morning uh, hoping for a bit of a lift, I, I don't think I've helped very much so far. <laughs> but at very least, I hope you can feel that if you empathise with some of those doubts, then you are not alone. And as we work through our doubts, actually it can lead us to a much stronger place. And for some, it will lead us to Christ, to following Christ for the first time ever. So let's have a look at this passage. Let's see what Jude has to say about dealing with doubt. He says, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are people who will divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. So here, the source of doubt is these scoffers. And we know from the rest of the letter uh, that this scoffing is coming from within the Christian community. And Jude writes to say, as Christians, we shouldn't be surprised that this is the way it was always going to be. Uh, these people claim to follow Christ, but in reality, the Holy Spirit is missing. So the Holy Spirit does a whole bunch of things. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee of our salvation. Uh, he convicts us of what is true, and he transforms our attitudes and behaviours. And we see that perhaps most clearly in that very famous passage in Galatians 5, which talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that when we have the Spirit, it shows in the way we live. So these scoffers don't have the Spirit, but they do see themselves as part of this church community. You know, perhaps they like the power and the influence. Perhaps they like just that sense of belonging. Perhaps coming to church, you know, it helps, you know, appease their conscience for the way they live for the rest of the week. But whatever the motivation, uh, they feel superior to all those other people who are earnestly trying to follow Christ. And I think in, in my experience in, in our sort of more modern context, that often comes out as being cynical and sarcastic and judgmental. And when we see it, it really causes a rot from within. We expect pressure from the world, but when it comes from within, I think that becomes particularly damaging. Uh, but wherever this scoffing is coming from, whether it comes from within our church community, whether it comes from the community around us, what is most significant 
is how we then respond to the doubt that it creates. And the solution starts by being proactive. He says, but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. I think the thing that jumps out for me most of all in in these verses in particular is that sense of personal responsibility. You know, build yourself up. Keep yourself in God's love. Uh, These words don't diminish that we are saved by grace. So the opening words in in the book of Jude uh, focuses on God's grace in calling. And the closing words of this letter will focus on God's grace in holding us and sparing us from stumbling. But here, Jude starts by commanding these Christians to make some personal choices and to stand firm. It's God who calls, but it's also God who keeps us from stumbling. But we shouldn't take that away from personal responsibility. So we might be struggling to see. Uh, That's where doubt starts. Uh, But we need to keep filling our eyes with the truth, sometimes even when we don't feel like it. Uh, I think uh, inadvertently uh, that passage from Matthew 6 that I read a few weeks ago has kind of, for me, become a little bit of a theme verse for this whole series. So it says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And I find it helpful because it acknowledges that how we perceive reality isn't just coming from within. Uh, We are also influenced by the world around us. And so what we fill our eyes with fills our soul. So it doesn't mean that we don't engage with the world around us and with the opinions of the world, but we do it from a position of understanding who we are before God, from a position of conviction, and that helps us to then engage with what the world is saying. Uh, which is a great principle, uh, but much harder to do in practice than it is in theory. Because often we just don't feel that motivated when we doubt. You know, I think uh, if you've been unfit, or if you are unfit, and you think, okay, this week I'm going to start running. Uh, or walking, as the case may be. Right, so your brain tells you this is what you need to do and this is a good thing to do. Uh, your feelings, on the other hand, aren't so keen. You're just not really that motivated. Now, you know it's a good idea, but you just can't be bothered. And so your feelings kind of pass the ball back to your brain, and your brain then drops the ball uh, and goes, you know what, we can do it tomorrow. And fortunately, it's a whole bunch of tomorrows that just keep us going. And I think we can do the same thing with doubt. That when we're doubting, we don't want to move forward. Uh, but we do need to make some choices. We need to choose to sit down and open our Bible and just read it. And not necessarily looking for an emotional experience, just reading the words before us and listening to those words. Yeah, from these verses that we just read, we need to hear about his love and mercy and his salvation and his promise to us for eternal life, where there won't be any more doubt or struggling. Uh, And sometimes it's helpful to listen to other wise and godly people. There are lots of people who are writing about what we believe and why we believe it. It's great to draw on their wisdom and their godliness and their conviction. 
Uh, I think for me, a good starting point is Tim Keller. Uh, if you're looking for uh, an accessible, uh, intelligent book to read, um, Reason for God is a little bit older. Uh, his newer book, Making Sense of God, are both two really good reads. Uh, we've got a short uh, book in the, in the breezeway, in the library there, uh, called More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. Uh, again, quite a thin book, quite accessible, but why should we trust that Jesus really is uh, Lord and Saviour who rose again from the dead. Uh, if you'd like, uh, someone else perhaps is John Lennox. Uh, he's an Oxford uh, mathematician uh, who's then become an evangelist and what's called an apologist. He stands up and argues for our faith and why we believe what we do. Uh, again, he's got lots of good books. He's also actually uh, quite prolific on YouTube. So uh, if you don't like reading, but you're happy to watch YouTube, then that might also be helpful. Uh, but whatever, you, whatever helps you, if there is doubt there, don't step away from your Bible. Keep reading that as your primary source. But there's lots of good secondary things uh, that we can go to that help as well. Uh, so we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, who he is and what he has done. And we need to pray in the Holy Spirit. Uh, earlier in this passage, we read how these scoffers don't have the Spirit, and Jude's making the point that when we pray, we're not actually praying that God might align His will with us. It's actually completely the opposite. We're praying that we might align our will with God's will for us. And so we need God's Spirit to guide what we're praying and to strengthen our conviction. So if the eyes shape us from the outside, then the Spirit shapes us from the inside. So we build ourselves up, we focus on God's love for us, we pray in the Spirit, and then we need to recognise that we have one another. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothes stained by corrupted flesh. Now there really is this wonderful grace and compassion in these words, but there's also a healthy dose of realism. So Jude is speaking to those who are strong, uh, those who are standing firm in their faith and he's saying, you need to love and show compassion and mercy to those who doubt. And so there's good news for us as well. If, you, if you're a person who's struggling with doubt, it's good to know that you do have brothers and sisters in Christ who are there to help you, who are there to walk with you. But for that to happen... We need to be confident that when we express doubt, that we're not going to feel love, that we're not going to feel judged, uh, that we're going to feel love. Uh, we need to be confident that someone will be willing to walk with us and talk with us and allow us to express those feelings. And so if we're the person who's walking beside someone, then we need to be good at listening. I think sometimes, particularly if you're more of an activist personality, you want to solve people's problems quickly. Let me tell you the solution. Uh, and that can be helpful sometimes. Uh, but it can also be helpful to listen and to pray together and to just to walk beside them as they work through those issues. And we need to encourage people to keep going and to keep filling their eyes with the truth and to keep moving forward in their doubt. And part of that is we need to keep meeting together. Uh, so whether that's meeting someone one-to-one, -one, whether that's a connect group or coming here to church. Even when we don't feel like it, that's part of working our way 
through our doubt, that we keep listening to the truth. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say to me, you know what, I'm just going to take a little bit of a break from church because you know, I'm just struggling a bit with what I believe and so I just need to spend some time focusing on myself. And that sounds you know, quite noble that they're thinking it through, but I think often it just becomes an excuse uh, to step away from Christians uh, and then ultimately to step away from following Jesus. You know, for some... Uh, this process of working through our doubt will lead us to a, a new place of conviction and strengthen us, and that's awesome. For some, it actually might be coming to Christ for the very first time. Uh, you might have sat in church forever. Uh, you believe in God, but you've never actually really submitted to his authority. It's been more about how God makes you feel than actually recognising him as King and Lord and Saviour. And certainly if you're walking with someone in their doubt, then as you can walk with them, as you can help them you know, work through those big questions, you may well be part of God's process in bringing them to be saved for the first time and using the language of our passage, snatching them from the fire. But if we are the person helping others, we also need to recognise that there's also there's some dangers involved. That it's not only about us influencing others, we need to recognise that equally they influence us. And so we want to love people, but we also want to be really wary of sin uh, because none of us are immune to its temptation. And sin, if nothing else, is creative. It just has a way of luring us in uh, and tempting us away from Christ. So we've gone on a journey. Uh, it starts by feeling overwhelmed by these scoffers. And Jude encourages those who are struggling to be proactive, uh, to build ourselves up, to keep ourselves in God's love and keep filling our eyes with light. Uh, we need to pray in the Spirit. We need to lean on our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the ultimate goal is that we come to a point of praise of recognising who we are before God, that we are loved, that we are saved, and to recognising his greatness and his goodness. So to pick up the language from our passage, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. They are just wonderful words to reflect on. Uh, they're hard words to believe when we're wallowing in doubt. And so we need to work our way through our doubt that we can come to a point where we hear these words and what they genuinely say to us. And so I thought today we're going to close by saying these words together. So a word of encouragement to one another that... This is who God is. This is what we believe together. So let's say these words together. To him who is able to keep you from suffering and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.